Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Oh, here. Nice. Nick Andre, the giant. WrestleMania. WrestleMania is running wild. Welcome to episode 3 of the Wrestling Podcast. I'm Mark Abraham and this week I'm joined by a very special guest. He's one of my oldest and closest friends, Ross. And we're going to be looking at some of our and some of your unsung heroes over the next hour and a bit. We'll be looking at some of the guys and girls of the pro wrestling world who maybe were undervalued, underutilized, I don't know, underappreciated. Let's take a look. Okay, so episode three. Um, thank you very much for coming on the show for starters. Me? Yeah, you. Yeah. Well, you, we, we, we've had a little chat before the show started, but you didn't actually say anything else there. But uh, yeah, finally, episode three. Episode I, three. Uh, I feel Unsung like, Heroes. I feel like I've, I've got a hot tag of, uh, of Liam. So it it is it is very much a hot tag and um and obviously um for anyone listening you love I've I've figured out that that uh, you know that those dulcet tones are aren't uh, aren't Liam from Cumbran um Liam is taking a little bit of time off hopefully we will uh, we'll see him soon once again on the wrestling podcast um but yeah we took we took a couple of weeks off. Uh, there was some, there was some technical difficulties going on, um, and some personal stuff going on. So first off, the bat, I'd just like to thank everybody on uh, on Twitter and on the rest of the social media platforms to uh, just say cheers to them for kind of reaching out and showing the support and keeping on supporting us, um, even though we took a bit of a two week break. Obviously, wasn't the uh, exactly what we wanted to do but unfortunately these things do happen but we are back in the saddle and we are ready to go again so yeah i'm 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 quite privileged i'm quite uh i'm quite honored i suppose to have uh you on today to talk some wrestling with me because we've been friends for a long 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 time we have i mean wrestling probably is one of the things that bonded us um, it is it is um, and and I, I was alluded to in another one of your episodes. I am the one who who did WrestleMania with you, so you are. We've got you're, that. You are your your WrestleMania guy. They can't take that away from us. Not now. They, they can't. They can't. Um, so yeah, you 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 agreed to come on, and you kind of helped as well, just to give a little bit of context. Um, you kind of helped me to put together the ideas for this first season and to kind of push that idea that I had to do the podcast forward. Um, so really, um, you are an unsung hero. Ah, well, I mean... See what I did there? Very kind of you to say so. Yeah, certainly to this podcast, I suppose, yeah. Certainly to the podcast. But, but now I'm on it, so I'm sung. I'm not unsung, I'm sung now. You are You are sung. So just to, just to, to dive in... Yeah. Take a running jump. Yeah. What what for you constitutes an unsung hero in pro wrestling? Well, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you you know I, I contributed to this before I knew I was coming on. 
And when you think about unsung heroes, they are difficult to define. Are we talking people who, who maybe didn't have the title runs they deserved? Are they people who are not in the Hall of Fame? Um, it's difficult. I think you can be. I think you can be specific with any wrestler as an unsung hero, and it doesn't have to be a wrestler. Even um, you know, backroom, backroom staff, backroom crew. You know, there's plenty of people we could look at. Um, are we? How are we doing this? Are we? Are you going to go through examples? Are we? Uh... Yeah, you know. Well, I've got a couple of uh, examples, certainly. Um that I consider to be an unsung hero. I'm guessing that, that, that you very much have got the same. Yeah. I know you wanted to do that, you know, that 10 minute segment um, about the catering staff. Of course. And, uh, and, uh, obviously, because catering staff uh, is the unsung hero of any modern day workplace. Well, I think, you know, when, I think, you know, when, how much Ryback was eating. Well, um, I shouldn't have picked right back. That sounds like a cheesy joke. No, I didn't mean the feed me more thing. I just mean the guy needed a lot of calories. Um, he did. He did need just, a lot of calories just to keep up. Um, he did. So, so who's who's top of the list for your unsung hero? Who who are you kicking it off with? Well, for me, I'm going to go straight in, and I'm going to say the hot rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay. Interesting. Um, I mean, main event of WrestleMania one. Yeah. Co-main event WrestleMania two. Yeah. What makes him unsung? Well, for me, as prolific a performer as Roddy Piper was, and he was a prolific performer. Let's make no doubt about that at all. You know, there's no argument there. And like you said, his his resume for the most part, in terms of his. Um, Status kind of speaks for itself. You know, he was a, a staple of, of those early WrestleManias. He was very much um, this this omnipresent villain um, for a, a, a great part of his career. And he's beloved by fans um, the world over, uh, loved, loved for being hated as well, you know, and, you know, as, as, a, as a great villain. Yeah. But for me... He's someone who I think, when I look at him, I always think, why, why was it only ever the supporting cast? Hmm. Why, why, why didn't he get that that world heavyweight title run? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I know that this this podcast to this point. Correct me if if you disagree, but I think it's been largely WWF slash WWE focused. It has. And, it has. I am guilty of that. Yeah, and at that time, you know, WWE was the babyface. Well, I don't want to say territory, but it was the babyface company, and Hogan was on top, and Hogan was writing checks for everyone, um, metaphorically, of course. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, had he been NWA for long, I know, he, I know, he sort of he was in and out of the NWA a little bit at that time. Um, but I mean, you, you just didn't get heel champions at that, at that time. I mean, even, even a few years further on after Piper, you look at someone like Ted DiBiase, which is, you know, I think he's up there always, isn't he? In, in the conversation of maybe not unsung heroes, but certainly the best not to wear the belt. Um, not officially. Yeah. Um, 
so I mean, yeah, I think I think they're victims of of um, circumstance and timing, really. It is. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree, and I think as well with Piper. I think what for me makes him a bit unsung is the is the style and the influence, which then just became commonplace. Okay, you, are, we, um, are we talking in the ring? Or are we talking promo work? Well, you know, we're talking about the attitude about the promo work, in that he was very much attitude era. Yeah. Before Attitude Era, in some respects. Yeah. You know, he was he was doing things to be overtly hated. Mm. Um and he didn't really care. And if anything, I think that he he probably enjoyed enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, think... it's not without controversy or or problem. These, these, no, some of those no, as, no, as 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 uh the the, the recent acquisition of the WWE Network by uh, the Peacock uh, yeah. net network shows, mm. uh, you know, because I know that our WrestleMania six match, uh, obviously against Bad Moon Brown, that's 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 been cut, uh, that's been completely erased from history. Um, as so, I, as I'm sure will a majority of 1997 onwards. Yeah, um, yeah, but but I think Piper was one of those who. You look at him and you don't kind of everyone looks like you said at, at Hogan as that as that standard bearer and that and that household name and and let's face it, as I said way back in I say way back, episode one. Mm-hmm. Um Hulk Hogan was pro wrestling. But every hero needs that villain. Yeah. And I don't think that people may be given the credit he deserves sometimes for being such a good bad guy. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. And I think think that the sad thing really about Piper's career, specifically in WWF at that time, is yes, he was in that first main event and he had the Mr. T match number two. But, you know, by today's standards, when you think about how many main events some of these guys are racking up, you know, nostalgia and things play into this but I don't look at those guys in the same light that I look at someone as legendary as Roddy Piper and yet they have more on their CV than he does you know they've got more Wrestlemania main events and things so yeah I think it's sad that he perhaps didn't have a longer run um, as as that main villain Um, but you know, perhaps that's what you're alluding to. You know, that's the, that's the great shout. That is why he is maybe the unsung hero. Um, I know Liam mentioned his match with Bret Hart, which was years later, WrestleMania Eight. Um, yeah, and it's that's often cited as one of the one of the great early matches. Certainly, again, thinking about the modern style and the more the more sort of technical um, trend that things are. That, that wrestling has evolved into recently. Um, so yeah, I can. I think it's a good show, Roddy Piper. I don't know. We we put him in the cabinet now, do we? What's yes, right. Yes. He's, he's, he's in the unsung cabinet. He 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 is in the unsung cabinet. It's not a. It it isn't a wardrobe or a closet. It's most definitely a cabinet. It is. A cabinet. Um, obviously, it isn't. It is. I think. They got the answers. I changed the questions. 
isn't just what I think as well, or, or even what you think. We have had, as always, and I'm really um, thankful for the wrestling community, um, specifically those on Twitter in, in most cases. And that's not to discredit Facebook or Instagram or the others, but on Twitter, the, the internet wrestling community can be both um, uh, brilliant and savage and bad and fantastic and, and all these different things. But one thing that they've done is over the last few weeks that um, we've been doing the podcast, they've really got involved um, and and they've given us a lot to talk about and a lot to consider ourselves. And they do form quite a, an important part of 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 kind of how how each episode runs. Um, this this week will be no different. We have had a lot of submissions from people, so we will be going over some of those. Um, and there are a couple of names that do um, keep popping up, yeah, uh, time and time again. Um, and one of them um, is William Regal. Right. Okay. And are we? So we're jumping around timeline wise here, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, there's no there's, there's going to be jumping around here. Oh. There's there's you know. So so we're going to the real man's man. <laughs> the real man's man, uh, Lord Stephen Regal. Uh, if I'm allowed, William Regal. If I'm allowed to request a, a soundbite at this point, I think, I think I've just teed up uh, a little clip of that music. If you can find it, um, absolutely, probably the greatest entrance scene ever. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anyone better. He's a man. Yeah, William Regal. Interesting. Okay. And and that's popped up a few times on Twitter. It has popped up a few times on Twitter. Um, and I know, for example, uh, that, uh, for example, Phil, or it's Phil Real to me uh, on Twitter, who's uh, still one of my favourite handles. Great name. Great handle. Um, he he's kind of given a few, but he does lead with Regal, and he said as well that uh, Regal never got the rewards deserving of someone so talented. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I've always thought. I mean, going back to when we were we nippers, um, and you know, wrestling wasn't what it was, and and any anything that we we got in the local leisure centres and things like that was often promoted as American pro wrestling. Do you remember that? I do indeed. Um, I think we I think we've worked out that we were both at one of those leisure center events. We point. we were. We were I think that I think that Kane I, I tell you what as well, I've still got a bootleg smell what the rock is cooking t shirt somewhere. Um and I will try and get a picture of it and send it so you can put it on the Twitter. Okay. Um, you know, for the listeners, things like that. Obviously, obviously. Uh, that I mean, it is it is definitely bootleg. Um, but yeah, we bought that at the, at the local leisure centre. But my my point to bringing that up is, it was always very American, and it was always portrayed to us that way. And I feel like 
British bulldog aside, it was really difficult for for British wrestlers to to break through in in a serious way, right up until. Well, Regal was probably one of the ceiling breakers um, in yeah, that sense. I'd agree there. Bulldog obviously was was marketed in a very different way, and he was, you know, Britain is what defined him, obviously because of the name. Um, but in terms of just being a, another player, another contender, I think I think English accents and things. I've always thought this. I think they've always struggled because everything is so American. Yeah. Dead air there. I've yeah. killed it. I'm not, I'm not done well. I, I got 17 minutes into this. <laughs> no, um, I, 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 I would, I would agree. I think that, I think that he was a, I think that he was a, a fantastic in-ring worker, um, who has a, a real interesting, um, like homegrown. Uh, hard as nails story. You know, he he wrestled from from being a teenager on carnival circuits and and wrestling in in you know these these tiny like working men's clubs and things like that in a, a really hard part of of the UK uh, to grow up in, and he brought to America this 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 kind of European style. And he injected it with, you know, he injected that American wrestling style with some European flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also, again, I think that he was one of those individuals who um, really brought out some great, great stuff from the people that he worked with. Um, you know, like one of my favorite uh, regal rivalries, which could be a podcast and so mm. um, was was when he worked with Edge, mm. and he had a, you know, and he had an intercontinental championship kind of feud with Edge, and you had you know the power of the punch with the brass knuckles, and yeah, these kind of these nuances that were quintessentially. A villain's move, but it just seemed so much more dastardly because he was English. Yeah, um, I, I think <laughs> I think it was a blessing and a curse. I mean, obviously, it did it it allowed him to easily lean into sort of I don't want to say easy gimmicks, but you know, uh, traditional gimmicks. You know, the the evil English yeah bad guy. Yeah, um, the pompous English bad guy, uh, the blue bloods in WCW, you know. Uh, but yeah, but then pre, you also pre Hunter Hearst Helmsley. You know, you also then look at him, and you look at this this innate ability that he has to switch from being this this villain into a very amusing comedic character. Yeah, I mean the comedy stuff is. And, great as well. I think I think that's something that's really worth remembering because these days, you know, the internet wrestling community, you know, they always talk about Regal as one of the great workers that maybe never got that break. But I think yeah. I think you've nailed it there because what he did show was just great comedy chops um, and adaptability, and perhaps 
those are the bits of, of William Regal that were untapped. Um, yes. Uh, and and yeah, maybe there was some some left on the table, not from his perspective ever. You know, none, none of this is 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 in their control always. Um, but just timing and booking and and things like that. Um, but it, I, I mean, he was a safe pair of hands through those through those years. Sort of exactly. Sort of what two thousand onwards. Well, yeah. And I look at Regal and I think to myself that do I think it would have been deserving that he have a shot at the top tier? Yes, I do. He he toyed with it in 2004 where he had that 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 amazing storyline uh against Triple H um with Eugene. Yeah. Where he kind of you know reach reach those kind of upper levels because he was that that solid mid to upper card performer in that Intercontinental Championship picture, the European Championship for the duration that he held it. What I think Regal was able to do both in the ring or as a champion or as a comedy performer is I think that Regal is kind of unsung in the way that. He just made it work. Yeah. You see some talent when they're, you know, when there's not um, a spot for them or there's no creative juices flowing. You kind of see them just go through it and they just crawl through this void of 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 not being in in the spot they want to be. Whereas I think Regal deserves real, real credit. For making every every point of his career, he made the most out of it. Yeah. So whatever spot he was in, it worked. Yeah. Exactly. And if and like he he really wasn't afraid to do things to elicit the reaction, um, or to get the TV time, which you know, I think says a lot as well. You know, like Isn't I it? watched a match the other night, uh, and I totally forgotten about it. Um, and it was from Raw, and it was the Trading Places match where he uh, faced Goldust, and they dressed up as one another. Right, to, yes. To wrestle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just everything from the facial expressions that he was making, the fact that he, he, he hated doing it. It was, it, was all, it was all so... I'm Googling this now, by the way. It, it it was also kind of believable, and I think that he did uh, promote the best parts of pro wrestling. In that it was, you know, you were watching him, and you and you understood that all, you know, that all this was part of the show. But he just he had this innate performer's ability, which I which I have to believe is a is a product of where he's from. Yeah, yeah, totally, um, and and you know, definitely the the sort of where he started out and um you know because he, he's where's he built from blackpool is he yes yes, yes. From um but yeah doing the doing the sort of local british camps it's all about entertainment i mean you know going back to world of sport and things and i know you've exactly. mentioned that before on the podcast but um yeah reliance on on entertainment factor and and as well as being as we've said a hell of a hand in the ring well, yeah, because you know, because even if he didn't have a match, 
he would make the most of a segment. Oh, yeah. And it's, some, it's interesting, you know, actually, because I think a lot of, you know, the veterans these days, they, that is what they're telling, uh, telling younger wrestlers. And, and we as fans often get frustrated. Oh, you know, they're not booking someone right and they're not doing this. But you're right. Some of these people we're talking about, when they had those segments, they made the most of them. And, and here we are years later talking about these guys. So regardless of whether, you know, they're at the top or whether Cena refused to put them over or Reigns refused to put them over or any of this, you know, stuff that we often complain about these days, we're still talking about these people, you know? Um, Very true. And something that's literally just popped into my head uh, regarding the real man's man himself, yeah. William Regal, is that even... Um, from his position now as the general manager of NXT and an on-screen persona and obviously this fountain of knowledge for the NXT talent uh, both now and and, and and who's come before them, you can't also underestimate in those early days of, of NXT television mm. when he not only got in the ring with people like Cesaro yeah. and had blinded matches that elevated people like Cesaro and give them, and I mean this in no disrespect because Cesaro was a very, very accomplished wrestler on the independent circuit before even putting pen to paper. Yeah. But it but but that match with Regal almost legitimized him to a WWE audience. Yeah. And actually and not only that is you've got then you've got Regal on commentary selling your Seth Rollins, selling your Roman Reigns, selling your Becky Lynch's and your Charlotte Flair's. And it's, it's, I don't think that you can discredit kind of how, how much extra that he's done without even lacing up a pair of boots. So I, yeah. I, I most definitely think that he deserves to go in the cabinet. Agreed. He's in the cabinet. He's in. the cabinet that goes without saying and i mean I, I i don't know if we've missed the moment here but but could we move on to another cabinet contender that you've just mentioned Goldust. okay well Goldust has had love on twitter and rightly so rightly so and i, I don't um, mind telling you i'm dressed as Goldust right now <laughs> um, I, I do know. I I know 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 for how long I have nothing. Nothing would surprise if me. A, if um, you can hear squeaking, it is it is just the uh, it's the latex. It's it's. I've it's gone I've gone latex rather than his his early work. Um, this this is why we this is why we don't do video podcasts exactly. Um, but um, but no, but I, yeah. I wanted to bring up Goldus now. I'll, I'll I realized when I was thinking about this podcast that I, I've got an interesting relationship with. With Goldust, but 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 in terms of getting back into wrestling, so I mean, you discussed on the first podcast you were talking about how you get into wrestling, right? And yep. I got into wrestling. So I, we both of us were born in 1989, and I got into wrestling in the sort of from one to four, I would say. So what's that? 1991, 92, 93-ish, 92, probably the the tail end of when I was when it was available to me, and. I am going somewhere with this. And 
that was because my auntie used to send um, recordings from Sky. You know, they they would tape it on the old VHS tapes, and I'd get to watch yeah. them. But we didn't have Sky, so I didn't so I didn't see much. And then it all died down for a bit. And then I remember 1996. So that that makes me seven at this point. Uh, I was in. I remember specifically where I was. I was in the W. H. Smiths in Brecon, and having not seen wrestling videos for ages, I spotted the cover for Royal Rumble 96. I don't know if you remember the VHS cover. I remember it I, vividly. I do. It was a sort of a green color and the, the little sort of square with, with, with someone's face on the side was Goldust. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, I haven't seen wrestling videos in, you know, in forever at that time, you know, you're seven and you haven't seen him for four years or so. Um, and I got really excited. And I, I asked my parents and we bought that video and I sort of bought a number of videos then through 1996. And it's what got me back into it. But what fascinated me about Royal Rumble 96, I urge people to go back and watch Rumble 96 for this reason, is the work that he did with Razor Ramon. Now, again, we've talked about controversial history in terms of WWE's creative pen, um, yes. Roddy Piper's possibly more specifically, but with Goldust, he was doing this androgynous character, which is the key word, obviously. And there were hints of sort of, um, I don't want to say homosexuality, but there was they, they were preying on the uncomfortability of, of Razor Ramon in that situation. And it was daring. Um, but 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 at that time and as a kid, I wasn't reading into those those overtones or undertones or no. I was, you know, this was a creepy guy that was stalking Razor Ramon, for want of a better term. And he had the love heart sort of tattoo and, and things. And look, rightly or wrongly, that storyline was a big part of what sucked me back into to wrestling at that point, age seven. Um and yeah, I think I think the I I don't think the original iteration of the character had a long enough run. Um, I know we'll go on to talk about his you know contributions throughout the years, but for me that was a really really strong character early '96, and I think it's a shame that it didn't. Considering the Attitude Era came on the back of '96, so well I know it was kind of '97, but. But I think it all the wheels were in motion in '96. I think it's a shame that he didn't have a longer run in that in that persona. Well, when you look at Goldust, uh, Dustin uh, Rhodes or Dustin Runnels, yeah. I think it's incredibly difficult not to put him in an unsung hero category from even his time before Goldust. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the reasoning is, is you look at that surname and what that surname means in a pro wrestling context. He is the son of a plumber. Well, he's the son of a son of a yeah. plumber. Um, he's Dusty Rhodes' son. This gigantic name in pro wrestling. Um, and he has to try and make his own way and make his own identity and make his own path. But it is forever intrinsically linked to his dad. Yeah. You talk about people trying to step out of 
the uh, shoes of of prior generations in wrestling. And I think that Dustin Rhodes found that incredibly difficult, but I think that he deserves a lot of credit for taking such a gamble. Yeah. Um, Because that could have easily tanked. He was a great in-ring worker beforehand. You go back and watch him in the NWA or WCW. Um, he he was a United States champion. He was a US title contender. He had matches with stunning Steve Austin yeah. and uh, you know Arn Anderson. Yeah, was it Rick the bunkhouse match in the back of a lorry? He he did. Yeah, yeah he did. Classic. But then, but then he turns up with. Um, his real life wife at the time, obviously Terry, uh-huh. uh, or or Marlena, she was, uh, you know, for those early years, and he comes back with this black and gold latex. Well, no, uh, he, he wasn't in latex at this point. Well, he sort of wore like a, a cotton number, I think, didn't he? For a yeah. little bit, uh, the latex. Don't get me wrong; it wasn't far behind. Um, you know, but then you look at at how. He he ascended really quickly, and he's in high profile foods with people like The Undertaker. But but that's exactly my point. I think here's a guy that should have been a longer term villain for someone like The Undertaker. Unfortunately for yes. Goldust or Dustin, a certain Mick Foley was signed at the same time. It was, um, yeah, and, and, that, and, that, uh, and, and that took yeah. over. It did, but you look at the. The daring, um, you know, because you've got, you know, you've got to imagine that 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 just having that character was dangerous in that locker room at that time. Yeah, because you know you would have had, you know, because obviously they did a an angle between him and Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, where Ahmed Johnson is kind of laid out on the back of a, you know, like an ambulance or whatever. He's on a stretcher. stretcher. And Goldust tries to give him the kiss of life, and he he was he was not comfortable with that. But he, I think he, that he says legitimately more... chased. Yeah, um, but I think that says more about Goldust as a performer and what he was willing to do to to completely live live this character, but to make it work. And he has done some fantastic things over the years with that character. Yeah, I mean, what again? He was what? you know a a a a. a, a, a IC champion, he was a tag champion, yeah. he had kind of hardcore matches during yeah. that late attitude era. Yeah. He went away, he did that weird seven character, WCW, where he basically came out and did a, a shoot, a, a yeah. shoot interview because he just had enough. Um, came back and had some great mileage again out of Goldust, brought in some again, some fantastic comedy elements. Complimented Booker T, I mean, which was the this you know this fantastic just brilliant bastard. And then you you look at him, and I think that even when he was having those tag matches against the Shield, yeah, I mean um, that that Rhodes Brothers tag team, that was you know, but yeah, it, it was it was it was it was great. But through everything, he is again he is he's working with what he's got. He's elevating the people that he's in the ring with. He's he isn't afraid to put over anybody because no. he you know. And then you kind of look at it and you think to yourself, 
where you know like when's when's his time and it's to me it's almost like you didn't realize just how valuable he was as an asset mm-hmm. until he went to AEW under uh, Dustin Rhodes and had um like obviously that, that, that incredible which match is one of one of the brother. great modern matches um, oh, I mean you know and, uh, look I'm the first to admit I don't watch New Japan um yeah. so I'm not aware of the six star matches and, and things like this with Omega and, and Co. But for me, that Cody Dustin match had everything I look for in a wrestling match because it was the story, you know. And and I think exactly. you know you mentioned the stepping out of the shadow of, of Dusty, and I think in a way, Goldust the character was was the best thing that could have ever happened to Dustin at that point in his career. That's not to take away from what he was achieving in WCW, but it it just yeah. forced him to be the complete opposite and. Like I said, what that early Goldust did was it exposed, you know, both on TV and backstage, I think it exposed some really ugly prejudices that were around um, in in wrestling at that time. Um, but what yeah. he was able to do, he wasn't afraid to take that on, which I think is admirable. And I think what what's even more impressive then is much like someone like the undertaker is how he was able to adapt that character which let's face it at that time was very controversial and it had you know some really um some really interesting characteristics he was able to to mold that through years and years and years and there's very few people that are able to do that um you know the fact that his makeup ended up being inspired by uh, the Scarecrow, didn't it, from, uh, yeah. from Wizard of Oz. You know, that's so far removed, um, you know, from from that original idea. He was he was this sort of com- comedy character. Um, and, yeah, I mean, goes without saying, get him in the cabinet. Get him in the cabinet. And I leave Goldust slash Dustin Rhodes in the cabinet by just putting this this little... Jerry Springer final thought on okay. Goldust right. out there. And you may agree or disagree, but I'm just going to put it out there. When it comes to unsung heroes and trailblazing and taking the risks, Velveteen Dream doesn't exist as a character if there's no Goldust. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, it's... For newer fans who 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 may look at a character like Velveteen Dream over the over the past few years and think, oh, I've I've never ever seen anything like that before. He's so out there. He's so well actually chuck the network on and go and have a look at this other guy. So I do think he he, he deserves some major, major credit as uh does old Goldie. Goldie, yeah. Goldie. Side story, my friend. And here comes the bizarre one. Your worst nightmare is about to enter your house. Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. My intellect is way beyond your comprehension. Come and get it. 
All these machinations obviously meant to distract his opponent. Certainly keeps you off balance, makes you think of everything but the athletic contest. It's the role of a lifetime. All right. Hey, hey. The most bizarre superstar in history, Goldust. And you will never, ever forget the name. Now we've got um, we've got a really um, it could be it could be hot hot debate. It's from at Lewis Rogers on Twitter, and he just says, "I feel I'm going to be butchered here, but my unsung hero of modern times has to be the Miz." Um, it's one guy it's one guy who's always the safest in the ring will always produce a decent match willing to sell to anyone and never gets injured he's Mr. Dependable that's what Lewis right I'm going to put it out there and say we're, we're approaching the 40 minute mark of the podcast I don't expect to spend as long on The Miz but and this oh, is no disrespect to at Lewis Rogers by the way I totally get what you're saying I think I think in many ways, The Miz has been misused um, over the years. I mean, this guy headlined WrestleMania against Cena with The Rock interjecting. How many years ago was that now? Oh, that was 2011. So 10 years. WrestleMania 27. Yeah, so 10 and, years ago. you know, once you've got that on the, on the CV, now, you know, some people will say, you can't believe the Miz has got that when you compare it to some of the people we've already mentioned, you know, the Roddy Pipers, CM Punk. I know he is, um, I know he was always very angry that he wasn't in that spot at that WrestleMania. But, but what have they done with him since? And yeah, I think, I think Lewis is, is right in what he says. He's been around. He's been put in whatever feud they need him to. He's been up and down the card. Um, one of the great talkers. I mean, for me, I think I said this to you years ago, I would have liked to see Miz sort of move into a management role. Managers are something that they, they don't do right anymore. Um, I think AEW are trying to do it, but um, I don't think WWE have done managers correctly for a long, long time. Paul Heyman is the exception. MVP. I like what they've done with MVP in the Hurt business. But um, but I think The Miz could have had his own stable of, you know, big, intimidating guys. A kid, you know, more like a, a Bobby Heenan type thing. Um, well, yeah, and, 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 and not even that, but because of, of this ratty, disgruntled ex-reality TV yeah. star that Miz is, you could almost see him as part of a a faction as part of a stable with other disgruntled ratty wrestlers who don't feel as though they're given the respect or given the, you know, like their dues, even though, you know, they've had their um, matches, uh, you know, against your seniors and, and, you know, your, your takers and whoever else. I mentioned to you when you first, when you first talked about the the topic, I mentioned to you Dolph Ziggler and his name always comes up as, Dolph Ziggler is is most definitely one that's, that's he always comes up. List. But again, I you know with someone like Ziggler, I don't know if unsung hero is the right term, or if it's people who just maybe haven't 
been booked in quite the way we would have liked to have seen as fans. Um, but I know yeah. that him and, and and the Miz, they didn't they have a, a storyline a few years back where they were possibly going to be a tag team as the disgruntled uh, team. I might be making there that is, up. There is no, but there is something that is um, there is something that's ringing yeah. the bell there. But it could be because, as you said, there has been. That underutilization. It might have been. I might have read it. Of I might have read talent. it on a rumor site or something. But I, I you know, it was a because I remember then that Dolph did that sort of fake retirement angle with the Miz, where everyone expected yes. Miz to win, and Dolph ended up winning. You know, and and you know, these are guys that they've had to deal with different timescales to what the guys back in the day had to. You know, I mean, I always think about Stone Cold's run, right, from '96 to what 2002. 2003? Uh, 2002, realistically, yeah. wasn't it? Realistically, because um, he, he kind of went yeah, off and, it for you know, the Someone like Rollins is already past that, and that blows my mind. Um, well, it, do you know, I saw uh, a tweet the other day, and it was, um, who, who do you think will get the 17 World Championships first? And it was Cena um, and Orton, and then you had Charlotte yeah. Flair. And you think about, and I am a massive Charlotte Flair fan, but you just think about how different things are, the timescales, the booking, the fact that, you know, that she, you know, that she just ascended so quickly, but then racked up all these championship wins. But then I think that Dolph Ziggler, again, is a a perfect example, because I think back to him in, in 2008, 2009, um, when he basically was like a young Mr. Perfect meets Billy yeah. Gunn. He was this and, and absolute... Michaels. Everyone was comparing him to Shawn Michaels. Yeah, and and he was and he was he, he was then as he is now. Still a very very good worker. He's a very very good promo. Um, but again, he he's he has maybe been sold short in in certain aspects, and I think he's one of those people that fans have cried out for a long long time. We want to see more. We want to see him in a different spot. And for whatever reason, the management and the creative side of the powers that be just haven't done yeah. anything with him. Um, maybe they feel as though there isn't the thing that the fans can see. I, I don't know. But then I think that comes back to when we initially kicked off things, where we said a kind of what what is an unsung hero yeah. to someone? And is this someone who is undervalued or underutilised? Or is this someone who's underappreciated? In which case, if it was, then I think the Dolph Ziggler would be a, a, a well, surefire I'm, uh, candidate I'm for gonna those tick boxes. I'm going to put Dolph and The Miz in a box in the cabinet. And that box is... Okay. They're both... Right. I mean, obviously, career-wise, timeline-wise, they're very similar. But I think they're... Like I said, their longevity compared to the runs that guys used to have back then is unbelievable. I mean, they're both on 11 yeah. years plus, I would say. I might be wrong. Well, just off the back of that, um, Jim Hayes, uh, who's the man of the clan oh, on, yeah. on Twitter, was at Big Jimbo Extreme. Uh, he actually said, I got to say Dolph Ziggler, he's had quite a career, but I feel he should have been in the main event scene more than he's ever that, had that's, been. that's exactly what I, I'm, I'm saying is both the Miz and Dolph have had parts of their career where the, the fans have been crying out for them to be pushed. I mean, 
you often think about Dolph, you think about the cash-in, which has one of the loudest pops on Raw ever. Night After Mania, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, it was. It was. In fact, it was one of those uh, those kind of uh, raw yeah. moments that 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 kind of made the night yeah. after mania the thing. The raw after mania. It 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 it, it was Huge. one of those uh, times where it, it 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 was actually recognised as being a really yeah. important night because until then it was almost like you you know like you hit reset yeah. after mania. But that moment where he won the world title from uh, yeah. Alberto Del Rio, but I, but I compare um, was it was it was a like legit. Oh yeah. my god! You know, I this compare is big. that then to to the Miz on uh, what was it called Smack Talk when he, he kept, Smack Talk, he yeah, when, when, he, when got he got real. real. And, I mean those <laughs> those moments. I mean you know this already, but those are the moments that get me excited in wrestling. The the the, the water cooler moments. You know the 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 way yes. that, and and Miz and Dolph have each had a few different um, examples of this in their career, but as pointed out by by Lewis in that original tweet about the Miz, they have just been treated as the reliable ones. Um, but with that comes, I think, a little space in the cabinet, as I say, for for their own little box. So they're kind of like a, a if we're thinking of it so, in wrestling figure terms, they're a double pack for me. They are. They're a, a, a battle, battle pack. pack. I think they're called these days. Yeah. Battle packs. Uh, because I'm the Miz, and I'm awesome. Um, when you when you talk about elites. Where does Bam Bam Big look? Right, so I saw Bam Bam, and, and I remember you sent me the the artwork for the for the uh, for this episode, and I go back to you straight away, and I said, "That's a hell of a show." But here's the thing: Bam Bam headlined a WrestleMania, so again, he did. I suppose it depends on your definition of of unsung heroes. I think it goes without saying that he's one of the better big men um, that there's, that there's ever oh, been. Yeah. And, and doubt, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, you know, when you look at what he was able to do in, in the ring, a man of his dimensions, a man of his size, as I, as I said way back when about The Undertaker, people of a certain stature shouldn't be yeah. able to move like that. Um, and I think that's, that is incredibly appealing. And I think that he... He spoke to larger men. I think he spoke to larger people um, because he made it very apparent that your size doesn't always have to hinder you. It doesn't always have to hold you back. And I think that, you know, there's a lot to be said about Great that. Great look, unique look. Um, um, yeah, he did. You know, he, was, he, he, he had that, that really ominous kind of feel about him. Um, let's face it, yes, he did main event to WrestleMania, WrestleMania 11, um, and it was against an NFL star. And, you know, and he, trust... he was put in a position, yeah, yeah. but exactly to trust yeah. him, that and, says yeah. a lot. When... But you know, but then you look then at what happened after, or kind of what well, didn't I mean, the happen rumor after. There is that the click pulled some strings with Bam Bam. Um, I, 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 I yeah, can't yeah. remember. I, I hate. I would hate to misquote anyone, but I think he claimed that the click held him down. Um, 
yeah. I don't know where the story comes from. I don't know the, the legitimacy, but but it's interesting to think about. You know why after that nothing. I mean, I guess he went to ECW shortly after, no? I believe so. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong. He he most definitely found a home, and he 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 found a a, a place. He, he there. headed up the hardcore um, WCW's version of the hardcore division. Um, I've seen some of that. I think he was feeding with like yes. nasty boys or something. I don't know. I didn't watch WCW much, but I do remember, yeah, yeah him being sort of at the forefront of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bam Bam. WrestleMania main event aside, I think I think he's a great shout for the cabinet. Um, I love that that's a thing now for the cabinet. Uh, I do, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's become a thing. See, you see, you do well. I've coined you've it already got a, to a, coin a, a phrase. A little to coin a phrase. So we've got a few tweet. Well, we've got a lot of tweets. Have we got? Um, have we got any? Just to interject and, at this point, because I'm feeling that this is very sort of yeah. one sided this far. Have we got any ladies mentioned? We have got a lady mentioned, and it's from uh, the Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling podcast. Um, and it is a 2021 Hall of Fame inductee, Molly Holly. And he says, Molly Holly, what took so long for the wow. Hall of Fame to okay. come calling? That's interesting. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing in any, in so, any stretch. You know, she was... She was a, a character that stood out. She could she could work right through that hot period. I mean, WWE was on fire at that point. I, I you know, finances might look different now because I know they're on top of the world right now um, in terms of money. Yeah, but it, yeah, in terms of them doing right, Molly was there through a really good period. I think, um, and could work yeah. and could go. I mean, my choice. Have you got anything to add on Molly there? Well, with Molly, I, I think what was so interesting is that Molly again took this really kind of kind of daft, cartoonish superhero uh, character, you know, because she was like the good old American girl when she was Molly Holly Crash and Hardcore's little cousin yeah. from Mobile, Alabama. And then from that, then she kind of aligned herself with uh, the Hurricane yeah. King, Mighty Molly. And then from there, she joined th- th- this kind of uh, completely, for me, like top tier amount of talent that can just turn things on the red, because she just she just completely morphed into this straight talking, miserable, um, kind of I'm not a diva. Yeah. I'm a wrestler. I'm not going to dress the same way that the divas do. I'm not going to rest. I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be in brown panties yeah. matches and pillow fights um, or whatever. I, I'm there to wrestle for the women's title. And I think that she deserves a lot of credit for being, and this is be, no disrespect intended to any female talent um, that's ever been in the WWE. But at that time, the amount of female yeah. wrestlers was a limited. Well, interestingly, pool to I, I went when I thought about it. I, I went a little earlier and and remembered Ivory. Um, obviously, already a yeah, Hall of Fame. Exactly, you, know, you could argue not unsung, but you know, 
you know, but then you've got um, people like Ivory, uh, Molly Holly, Jacqueline, Lita, Trish, um, yeah. maybe Jazz. Jazz is a hell of a worker. Who, who, uh, who, who would, yeah, but again, but that's what I mean, is at that time, there's a lot of female talent, but that's yeah. who your wrestling yes. female talent are. Because you you know you Tory Wilson and try as they might and you know don't give me they they you know they put them on pay per views and all the rest of it, but you got your Stacey Keeblers, your Tory Wilsons, your yeah, Dawn Marie's, yeah. um, and I think it was a, a real, I think it was a tough time. I think it was a tough time to be a a, 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 a woman yeah, to, go wrestler, against, to go against wrestler. the grain with that and. Yeah. And and yeah, and 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 to not be sexualized and not be kind of all right, okay, well, I'll do this. So I do think that Molly deserves Great. a spot I, in I the cabinet. I certainly wouldn't deny her a spot in the cabinet. Um and I could but but again, we're talking about definition of unsung hero. She's going in the Hall of Fame. I know, I know we've got Hall of Fame. She and, is, you know, I know that uh Roddy's in the Hall of Fame and stuff as well. Um there is, and there's a lot of people, um, Twitter-wise, there's a lot of tweets that have come in, and they are Hall of Famers, who they feel, okay, you may have put them in the Hall of Fame, you may have given the ring and the ceremony, um, but we just don't but, think But, I mean, there's lots of chat, enough. you know, you look at the, the, the legitimacy of the Hall of Fame, there's a lot of talk from fans about, you know, you know for example... Um, we've got one here from at Italian Habs Mike um, and Mike says one of his unsung heroes is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat so criminally underrated Steamboat versus Savage was the best match at Wrestlemania should have gotten a bigger a better push in WWE Steamboat versus Flair to yeah. the I mean, you... was epic um, which it was and I'm a, I'm yeah. a huge I mean they um, anyway, but... I think one of the one of the big signs for for just how good Steamboat was, and probably still is, um, was he's one of those ones that when you listen to interviews of wrestlers, they always put him up as as one of the best. I mean, Flair I think rates Steamboat as the best he's ever wrestled. Um, I could be wrong, yeah. but I'm fairly sure I've heard him say something similar to that. Um, I, yeah. I agree. I mean, his running, his running WWE is criminal, really. Um, when you think about it, but again, the emphasis back then wasn't on. Sadly, wasn't on the type of wrestling that he was selling, and I mean, that's what NWA were doing at that time. Um, exactly. I per- I personally think that Ricky Steamboat should be an unsung hero, based purely on his ability to arm drag better than any other wrestler I have yeah. ever seen well, Even at WrestleMania 25. Which is well, a... You know. Well, I... We, we watched did, that. Yeah. We watched that event together. Um, That's when we got the hairbrain idea to go to 26, probably. Uh, it, it was. But I remember just being absolutely in awe that Ricky Steamboat couldn't just go. Yeah. He could really go to the point where Jericho saw that he could really go. I mean, and then that, that led to the uh, one-on-one match, a backlash yeah. the month later. And again, all right, he came up just, just short against Jericho. But what a match for a guy who, 
you know, was was way past his prime, or was he past his prime? Because to be honest, with me, I, well, you, you've I, always I, I, I been <laughs> very passionate about Steamboat's comeback in twenty five. Um, I I am I am, and I and I think that they, they missed put the strap boat, on him. and that they should have they should have put the strap on him, and he should have actually been uh, the one to retire. I uh, I mean, I also but, miss. Um, who misses so, Backlash being the pay-per-view after WrestleMania? I mean... I do, I do. But our next episode is called Just Bring It Back. And that may right, be something I'll, to discuss I'll on there, it, along with managers. Sure. I mean, Backlash is... I don't want to dive into it too much, but it is somewhere around post-WrestleMania now. But Extreme Rules comes first, I think. And it just annoys me. It is, it is. The extreme rules of which no, the rules aren't well, that extreme be. anymore because well, we've be. become so conditioned to them. What is six foot four, four hundred and twenty-five pounds of burning fire? <laughs> what? What? Bam, bam, Bigelow. That's what. Um, so we've got a tweet here as well of Cayman. Uh, obviously, host of the Cayman Show. Um, so another hello to uh, to him. Uh, and Cayman says, mm. Stevie Richards, be he that of the Blue World Order, running around doing the hardcore division, or the right to censor, whatever gimmick he's portrayed, he's given it 100%. He's an excellent worker, an excellent mind, excellent mic skills, yeah, and he's got an excellent I, attitude. I couldn't agree more opinion. with all of that. You know, and now he helps people I with agree. DDP yoga. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, he's a yeah he's a DDP uh. yoga instructor, um, and he's, oh, he's yeah. in phenomenal shape. Uh, but I yeah, but I'd agree with Cayman as well. And I would you know I I, I would I would say that definitely Stevie uh, Richards deserves um, a lot of praise because again he was. He was a solid worker, whether it was that he was going out on Sunday Night Heat or whether he was going out at the start of a, a, a pay-per-view or a house show or he had to do some really off-the-wall gimmicks because, let's face it, nothing that he's done I mean, right has been to normal. Is a perfect heel gimmick, particularly at that time and where, where they were. You know, they were this... Well, exactly, but he made, you know, but like... Yeah, it was... But he it was made legit, it he, You know, the, the flashing um, stop sign and, and the... Just the siren? Would you call that a siren? Well, just the... Form? Well, yeah, you know... Well, well, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, it was just every, yeah. it was everything it needed to be. It was, it was. But I think, I think what came um, there is he, he's nailed the definition of an unsung hero because, because it's, it is the it's someone who has, has excelled in it, everything that's been given to them. But actually, when you look at his CV, there really is quite little um, that would imply, uh, you know, Hall of Fame, should we say? Um, and yet, yes. And yet, yeah, he was he, he was a really key figure in again those years where I think WWE were on fire, where you know everything just seemed good. And you're talking as well about a very crowded roster for him to stand out in. Well, it is, it is, and you look at that at that period of time, that Attitude Era and that late Attitude Era, and and oh, you know yeah. it is stacked. Unreal. It is absolutely stacked. So for him to take something as 
quite simple in its design mm. as the writer sensor, and then create this, this, the, you know, just this huge um, heel force, you know, that just came and. They they mixed oh. it up with everybody from okay. uh, yeah. you know like the APA you know because they didn't like them do you know like drinking and gambling and smoking uh, you know obviously then they they you know they converted the Godfather to the Good Father Val Venus was stopped enjoying uh, the, you know, the finer things in life and then you know and then you had you know the fact that they moved well, from the Buchanan, but I don't know what he gets as well being friends with the boss man. Well, yeah, uh, probably, probably. No, um, I, I agree, and I think, go. you know, um, I mentioned earlier about The Miz, how I feel like he could have moved into a sort of semi-manager role, and that's what Stevie did there. And, and you know, I compare that back to the Bobby Heenan types because people used to say how good a worker Bobby Heenan was. If he needed to be in the ring and take bumps and, you know, look play the weasel, which obviously he did, um, he could, and I think there is. I think there is a gap for wrestlers like that, particularly you know heels, um, shit house heels. Can we say that? Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, of course. You can. If you bleeped it, yeah, if you bleeped yeah. it, it'd it's, be even better. Yes, honest. Shit, shit house heels. <laughs> um, I think there's a space for, it and I and I think Steve Richards is someone you know, particularly when you're surrounded by Bob Buchanan and Sean Morley and um, the Good Father. Great role, and and I and then Ivory, yeah, of course, obviously, you know, you know, but again, and I think that Stevie Richards is deserving of going in the cabinet, most definitely, for Agreed, all of the yeah. reasons that came and said, um, and the added reason of just the simplicity and the you know just the the thought process as a performer to wear those Great. white socks. Because that was just like the little finishing touch, um, you know. Um, and when the Undertaker and Kane officially closed the right to censor, um, we give Richards our last ride, and Stevie Richards held his legs in the air, but in such a way that those white socks Prom- were like prominent, mm. like jangling and jingling or whatever. And it was, do you know what? And it became a thing, you know, so that JR would kind of mention, you know, that he hopes that someone gets their hands on him, you know, and knocks him out of his white socks, you know, but, they, you know, because it, it was that annoying kind of, oh, you know, the goody two shoes. Yeah. You know, yeah. the people, you know, the jobs worth, the people who want to have the cancel culture are the type of people who wear white socks yeah. and yeah. black trousers and black shoes. And it was just that, that you know, that does that little knowing. And you got to think, um, and I know it's, it's, it's something, you know, and, and, and it would be for a totally different podcast. I re- I personally, I I get really wound up about cancel culture myself. Mm-hmm. I've got my own reasons. But then you mm-hmm. think of cancel culture, mm-hmm. as we are now, and just how perfect the mm-hmm. right to censor yeah. would be right now. Um, yeah. Because I mean, it would now just be reality. Yeah. They couldn't... Um... <laughs> They couldn't do it because they haven't got the supporting cast. I mean, what made Right to Sense so brilliant at that time was yeah. it was a way, it was a, it was a mechanism to clean up because Vince had to clean up at that point because the sponsors or the television or something. So, yeah. you know, Right to Sense was a rib on the guys who were trying to shut him down. But it's a perfect way to clean up those characters. Exactly. 
We have censored the vulgar words. We have censored the scantily clad women. And soon, yes, soon, we will censor the exorbitant amount of violence that this program has displayed. And it will be for your own good. So, can I, can I we've get my gone name? through quite a few. I got, I got, one, uh, I got one more. Yeah, so by all in. means. Uh, yeah, and it's Shamrock. That's fine, that's more okay. Yeah, I mean, Ken I would Shamrock. put Ken Shamrock in, you know, I talked about when I got back into wrestling in the sort of 96, and that lasted through to 90, 98, 99, certainly. Well, into 2000s, I guess. But um, I would put Shamrock in every list I could ever. Um, I just, <laughs> I, I wanted it. When you think about what the UFC has become, I sound like such a noob. The UFC. Do you watch the UFC? But when you think about what UFC has become, and and I, and actually, I you could argue that wrestling struggles now because of the legitimacy of UFC. Um, but but yeah. for me, wrestling's at its most exciting and most authentic when you get a Brock Lesnar turn up. You know, like 2012 when he returned, that legitimacy, the the match with Cena. That yeah. to me is where WWE is is at is at its best. Oh, well, it's yeah, and it's great. And I think the Shamrock helped helped massively to yeah. to bridge that gap. Shamrock was a great, to bridge great that crossover, and, and you know, his character was incredibly simple. He just screamed, um, but it worked exactly. And the Rock. The Rock actually posted out yeah, on Instagram yeah, saw, yeah. Uh, a couple of days back, um, and it was a photo of him and Ken Shamrock, and just how much yeah, he enjoyed it. Even though he made Ken his Shamrock. lungs bleed, I think. Um, and I think that when you've got... Yeah. Yes. That was Ken. But but that was Ken. That was Ken. As, as, as you know, King used to say, you know, that, that, that constant, angry, most, you know, world's most dangerous man character... You know that he he uh, came from a long line of poster workers. Typical king. That's what the joke. But I mean, look, I I think that um, I I love to fantasy book, as you know, right? I've always been the same. I used to write, you know, even with my wrestlers, I used to write down cards that I wanted to see. Um, And actually, looking back at them, they were probably rubbish because there's a lot that goes into booking, right? And I I don't ever want to take that away. We there's so much as fans that we don't know that's going on backstage, be that politics, be that health, whatever. Um, However, in my sort of fantasy booking world, I wish Shamrock had had more of a crack and and again a longer run. I mean, if if they could have kept Shamrock as he was, let's say I'm going to pick an example of when I remember him clearly, and the WrestleMania 14 match with The Rock, right? If they could have harnessed and trapped that electricity there, brought that forward to early 2000s Kurt Angle, I mean, that's the type type of wrestling I'd want to see. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and there's there's that other side, isn't it, where, and you go back and use a bit of a backlash link you know, this you know, is how you book. You, getting people excited for next week, uh, and and you look at Backlash yeah. '99, and the Undertaker 
as a wrestling match with Ken Shamrock. I don't remember it. I'm going to look it up. So, so Shamrock's legitimacy and Shamrock's uh, ability is being uh, recognised because Taker was always a fan, as he as as has been made known before. It was one of the reasons why he loved to work with Bret Hart because he could show that he was about more yeah, than just yeah. choke slams and tombstones and beating big men. You know that he, you know that he could be technical. He could he could show he could wrestle. And I think obviously in '99, yeah. Bret's gone. Kurt Angle quite, is, no. isn't on the main roster yet. But you've but you've got Ken Shamrock, who is a legitimate yeah. like badass, um, and who who will who will be able to allow the Undertaker that freedom. So I think that there's a lot to say about Shamrock's yeah. legitimacy I think, and his I think ability. It's the, the, um, you know, the earliest example certainly that I can think of of crossing over what what was to become you know the global yeah. phenomenon UFC. Um, and it was, yes. and, and and in that sense, it was ahead of its time. And I think it has huge influence now on where people are at. You know, I know, I know you've got different sections. You've got, you know, the, the sort of leg slap gang as well. I say that with, I say that with love, only because it's in the news. You know, <laughs> but in WWE, there's no leg um, slaps on this. But yeah, I, you know, the the MMA um, side of it that's been brought in, he he's ahead of his time. So, just taking a, a quick look. Have you been, like, have you you been know, writing these down? I think we've covered. Some... <laughs> I haven't just been writing. I've been oh, creating right. a, a physical cabinet. I just need get to. Them. I just. I just need to actually get. You know, I just need to get some pen and paper and, and send off some some invites. But um, but yeah, so we've covered a lot of ground. I think that there's been a bit of a mixed bag. There's been good arguments. No one's not gone in the cabinet. We didn't, which didn't is officially put Ken in, but um, like, like I said, Ken, Ken's on every list. That we, I, no, um, we didn't officially, but I think Ken would have. Exactly. And to be honest, I think if you told Ken he couldn't get in the cabinet, he'd probably rip the doors off the thing anyway. So just to have a look um, as, as, we, as we kind of forge forward and wrap things up, as I said, we did have a lot of Twitter interaction. Mm-hmm. I do like oh, to we, just go quick them. fire now. Yeah. Um, so we are talking some quick fire. So ah, uh, my 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 great friends, my hugging friends um, on Twitter. Um, we we literally began following each other, liking each other's stuff, and supporting what each other were doing. And it started this trend off of gifts between WWE nice. hugs, famous WWE hugs. Um, and I got to be honest. Uh, these guys are great. So it's the year of Duke and uh, Rogue, uh, or the at year of Pod on on Twitter. Uh, they are shouts of the heavenly bodies and Doink. They're both on their list. You may laugh, but it. Doink character always works. 
Um, so you've got that. You've got, uh, obviously, it's Phil Real to me. And he did say uh, about Regok. He also mentioned Bam Bam Bigelow. He said that he was an athlete better than men half of his size. He also said that there was an argument for both Kane and for Goldust. Um, with Kane, he said for such a long-term veteran, he had some horrible gimmicks before that Kane character. Uh, but Kane was a surefire hit, but he was never, in his opinion, he was never really a star because uh, for most of his career, he had only held the world title for a day, a single day. And he thinks that's a travesty. Um, I don't know, personally, like I said, without getting too much into it, because I think Kane, as an unsung hero in terms of um, work rate, workhorse, absolute solid. Um, I think well, I think that he, I, he would deserve I think that, I think he's that acknowledgement all day long. Comparison to the Undertaker, yeah, exactly. And I think, and this is not a reflection on Kane, and it's not because I'm a huge Undertaker fan, but I think for ninety nine percent of people, when you're being compared to the Undertaker, yeah. you normally come out second best, just because of of everything surrounding it. So, yes, yeah, so Phil, thank you for that. Obviously, we had those uh, the ones off, off Cayman as well. Um, we had one of Stuart Lawson, um, and Stuart, uh, who was at S Lawson 1417, uh, was very, very happy when Rangers uh, lifted the trophy the other week. Uh, he said that his has to be uh, Milan Miracle, who, who you'll know better on, on Twitter as Santino Morella. Uh, the guy gave so much comedy to the WWE it's unnoticed, and yeah. also when required, he could go in the ring. Um, but he said that he he honestly means this. He's in the top three of people that he misses seeing in today's that's, product because he was he top was awesome. three. Uh, so the well, exa- exactly. We've got then. Um, one here from uh, at next to the aisle and a great shout. One that, to be honest, I probably could have done a podcast on entirely. Um, and that was the, yeah. the one and only Dean Malenko. And given the opportunity, he said Malenko could have a hot storyline, such as when he faced Jericho at WCW. Um, the reveal when he unmasked what a pop and he also legitimized the WWF light heavyweight title. Uh, and he actually says to go and check out the match uh, against Scotty Too Hot. He there is a theme is here, isn't Backlash 2000. Um, so, so there is a definite link to Unsung mm. Heroes and the Backlash pay-per-view. So maybe, really, the title of this episode should be Is S.A. Rios the Greatest Unsung Hero of All Time? Because he did uh, feature in, in Backlash 2000 in a European title match that's against uh, Eddie Guerrero. Um, <laughs> um, so we have got one um, from Handsome Andrew uh, at Outlaw Jamboree, uh, and that's uh, Macho Manny, and he's just um, given the photo of 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 Macho Manny in in that in that photo in in the in his T-shirt in that proper like nineteen eighties um, kind of style T-shirt, and obviously we're not on about. Um, macho man, as in Randy Savage. Um, we're on about the ever macho Manny. Um, that's what I thought. Yeah, I, I Manny Fernandez. I was like, I know Manny um, Fernandez, but macho Manny Fernandez, yeah. And like I said, so he's just literally just given a photo of, of, of Manny Fernandez. Um, Ben or at Hardy Boys Ben. 
there's, there's really going to be no no real. Is he going to uh, say the Hardy Boys? Secret of of who he thinks should should. He's going to say Jeff Hardy. Um, he's a massive, he's a massive Jeff Hardy fan, and he, and he just said that he is the reason he started watching wrestling, along with the fact he's a fan of everything about him. He loves it's interesting style, actually how many he loves it all. Peers, people of our um, age that I speak to, whether they're closet wrestling fans or, or you know quite out there wrestling fans, Jeff Hardy is right at the top of their all-time favorites. Yeah. I think he was one of those again who um, was an innovator in in those high risk matchups. He put his body on the line. Um, he kind of had these glimpses at main event stardom. You know that that fantastic Intercontinental Championship match on SmackDown from April two thousand and one against Triple H. Um, you know, and then obviously kind of going to TNA, morphing, kind of having all, all this this complete evolution of a character and as a person. But I do think that people forget sometimes just what he did and to the, himself. The, the, fact, the fact he can to get still, the reaction. Still, uh, like today is, even you know... Move his body is, is unbelievable. My look, only my only thing you is, know, I'm not because, sure he class, you know, he's classed as unsung. I think he's, I mean, he's... He's definitely going in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. Definitely, 100%. I would be very shocked if he didn't. Um, at Alan Todd WHS, he's, he's gone real old school for all the old school fans. And he said Ooh. Brad Armstrong is his unsung hero. He was so smooth in the ring and he should have been that a is, major player uh, wherever he was. So that is, that is properly old school. Um, and then we have just had a... a, a just like, I say we've had a couple. We've really had loads. Um, and I would be remiss not to mention um, <laughs> some of them um, very quickly. Um, and why I say that is because I, I'm literally scrolling and scrolling. Well, apologies to anyone you don't get to. That's what you've got to say. Um, Exactly, exactly. There is apologies um, that, that have to go out because I'm not going to get to everybody um, because we have had a lot. Um, Steve Lloyd um, gave a, a great little slideshow and within his slideshow, um, I say slideshow, it, it, it was a, a gif it was, but he's, he's made it himself. So he's made his own little gif. Uh, and Steve basically mentioned people like X-Pac yeah. or the one two three kid Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennen, um, Dean Lenko was in there. Dustin Rhodes was in there. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts was in there. Brian Pillman was in there. Ravishing Rick Rude was in there. And um, definitely controversial and definitely one that I most would 100% have been up for talking about. Um, but we didn't get around to him. Uh, was mm. the, uh, it is, the it is controversial. Again, again so, though, interestingly... Uh, uh, it is controversy aside, and I mean that is obviously the darkest part of, of wrestling. But I, I'm not sure he's unsung. Exactly, exactly. Because I, I think he's most definitely no. been sung. I just don't think he'll ever be talked about anymore. Um, and Kev, my main man, Kev, Kev the wrestling fan uh, from Lebanon. Kev give. A fantastic gif of William Regal pulling some vaudeville-like faces. Um, so I'm guessing the William Regal yeah. is 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 his is his go-to as well. So again, we've had plenty. We've had loads. Of, I'm sorry if we didn't get around to uh, 
to bring in yours up or mention yours as I know like I said there was a yeah. there was a so, lot so of, also of, kept of input people from people in 20 minutes um, we have we have uh, and uh, and yeah and just to back up your uh, nod as well Goldust the uh, at IS wrestle pod also tweeted and said that mm-hmm. the nod to Goldust is a solid choice as well so uh, so yeah and very quickly just because I've seen it and I, and I literally scanned over it Jared uh, at Guitars and Vinyl, he's mentioned uh, Jake Roberts, but he's also said about Billy Kidman has been one of the cornerstones yeah. of the cruiserweight division, well ahead of his time. So yeah, so that's maybe we'll unsung do a part two heroes, at some, point. some of the unsung heroes. Um, maybe I think there's definitely room for for part two in season two because we well, didn't even mention the, the, Jim the Johnson, stuff, the music you know, director for WWE. But yeah, the, and the catering right. staff obviously would, would deserve a lot of love. But yes, but thank you, um, thank, thank you, you for very much me. for coming on and talking some pro wrestling yeah. with me. Still yeah. after all, after all these years that we can still do it, um, and obviously keep uh, the conversation going with us. We are back. Uh, we're not planning on taking any more breaks uh, or any unforeseen circumstances. Anyway. We're not uh, withstanding. So hopefully uh, we'll be back with you next week to talk about things that we want brought back. So whether that's backlash. your managers or whether that's your uh, your backlash or whether for me it's something like yeah. that. Well, for me, for me, it is genuinely the backlash stage. hanging hook. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Well, Spoiler. I didn't want to... I wanted to wait until next week because I know it's your birthday soon, but we're just saying I've got them for your birthday. So, uh, so yeah, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Thank you as well for, for, uh, for joining me. We will be back next week uh, for episode four in this debut season of the wrestling podcast. Until then, stay safe. Thank you for checking out the latest episode of the Wrestling Podcast. As we always say, you can continue to join the conversation with us on any of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can check us out using the handle at the Wrestling PT or give us an email at asktherestlingpodcast at gmail.com. We do hope you've enjoyed this latest episode. Until next time.